Hey, this is Matthew Lilly. Welcome to the Presence Pioneers podcast. Thank you for tuning in today. We have special guest Benjamin Nunes with us from the International House of Prayer in Kansas City. Benjamin was a part of a prayer movement that he started in Mexico where they saw over 70 houses of prayer launched while he was in his 20s and teens. He's an amazing young leader who's now based in Kansas City, and he's going to share some of his journey, some of the breakthroughs, some of the challenges, as well as some of his perspective on what God's doing right now uh, in the year 2020 in America specifically. So it's going to be an amazing episode. Please stay tuned. If you're new to the podcast, welcome. The Presence Pioneers podcast exists to equip you and your community to experience and host the presence of God through day and night worship and prayer. We believe God's presence changes everything. So every Thursday, we release a new episode. It's either going to be a short little Bible teaching or it's going to be an extended conversation with a leader or a Bible teacher uh, in the worship and prayer movement, which is what we're, we're going to offer today with Benjamin Nunes. So please hit subscribe wherever you're tuning in from so that you can stay in touch with us and get more fuel for the fire as you pursue God and want to grow in relationship with Him through worship and prayer. You can also visit our website at presencepioneers.org at any time. You can see all of our episodes up there, the archive. You can search by keyword or by topic, and you can also learn more about our ministry up there. And before we dive into the interview today, I just wanted to take a moment and let you know, in the month of December 2020, when this episode is releasing, we're doing a special funding campaign for our ministry, hashtag fund prayer. We do this end of year fund prayer campaign. And so the mission of Presence Pioneers is not just a podcast, but our mission is to connect, equip, and plant presence-centered worship and prayer communities. We want to see day and night prayer that leads to revival so that the gospel of Jesus goes to the ends of the earth. That's in our heart, this Malachi 1.11 vision to see the incense of worship and prayer arise in every place, like it says right there in the scriptures. And so if you'd like to fuel day and night worship and prayer, if you'd like to sow into the global prayer movement and what God's doing, you can go to fundprayer.com and help us meet our end of the year goal for 2020 which will go to the podcast and it will also go to all of the other work that we're doing in seeing God raise up day and night worship and prayer. Thank you so much for those of you who decide to give. Really appreciate that. Without further ado, here's my conversation with Benjamin Nunes. Benjamin, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Matthew. An honor to be here. Yeah, we're so so excited to to chat with you. We've had a couple of I hop KC folks on the podcast in recent months. Oh, really? Kirk Bennett and David Slyker have both been on nice. uh, this year as well. And so, so thankful for I hop and the 24 seven prayer and worship that hasn't stopped now for over 21 years. That's amazing. Thank yeah, you to you crazy. and all the staff there. Um, I know it's the grace of God, but it's also the faithfulness of Mike Bickle and so many others like yourself who are, who are, who are keeping the flame going there. So, so thankful for you. Um, well, man, we, I would love to just have you introduce yourself and, and just share a little bit about who you are and what your journey has been. I know you've been involved in houses of prayer and, and prayer ministries in Mexico, and now you're in Kansas City. So 
yeah, just just loop us into some of your journey. Yeah, no, thank you. I was born in a Christian home, received the Lord when I was eight years old. And yeah, I think from that moment on, my my parents led me to Jesus and I got the conviction of sin. And from that moment on, I started the journey really involved all the time in ministry. But when I was 17, that's when the Lord shifted my life to more intimacy encounters and basically the end of the age. It, it was this awakening of, okay, I'm not just a normal generation. Jesus is coming soon and I need to be ready. And so it was in 2003, I was 17, and the Lord called me to do a house of prayer. And he encountered me. He said, Benji, I want you to build me a house like David. And I was like, yes, Lord, I'll do it. But uh, it was really clear that he wanted me there. It's not just, I don't want you to build something. I want you to build it because I want you. And that was the, the shocker. I always, we always know God loves us, but it was so real that I want you. There's, even if there's no fruit outside of my relationship and getting your attention for the rest of your life, it will have been worth it because I want you, Benji. And then it was this revelation of Jesus as a, as a bridegroom that desires us and that he wants to be with us and therefore awakens love in us that it surpasses, you know, hunger for revival, hung, hunger for transformation of cities or salvation of people in evangelistic campaigns. And all of those things are amazing. But I realized that that was my drive. That was my drive. I wanted to see fruit. And then prayer was a means to an end. But then the Lord shifted to prayer is the end in itself because it's about Him. And if that's the only thing that we can we get to do in our lives, that's more than enough. God loves fruit and he will do it, right? But I mean, he could do it like this, but our heart, it takes time. And that's the only thing he doesn't have. So when I was 17, he he changed me. And I'm so happy he did. And from that moment on, I asked my dad, hey, dad, I don't, I want to skip one year before I go to college. And I would like just to dedicate the, a year for the Lord. So he told me, hey, what about you go with the poor for, for six months? Because every time you want to hear God, you have you can go with the poor and all the other voices are shut down and then God meets you there. And I mean, he got that wisdom from me and I went to a program in an orphanage and outside in a different city in Mexico and I was with the poor in the orphans for six months. And that's where the Lord touched me to do the house of prayer. And from that moment on, we started the first five years. It was slow. You were, seven you were 17 years old. Is that right? Yeah. Amazing. 17. And then I started with my youth group and my church and, you know, no one will come just a little group of people, but um, we will do it every day, a few hours a day. It was that seal of the small beginnings that um, I sometimes miss because there was no, it was just God is the thing. So yeah. pure and so raw. But yeah. then something shifted in the country and probably you know about what happened in Mexico, still happening, but it was a massive war with the cartels. And it was like, we saw people beheaded in the streets. It was like, 
crazy. And something that started happening in the country is that the the kidnappers and the drug cartels and the hitmen realized that if they kidnap pastor kids, they will get all the money of the church because they were like the darling of the churches, right? So little by little, a lot of my friends start getting kidnapped and many of them die, many of them terrible atrocities. And all of a sudden, the Lord shifted a little house of prayer that was hidden for five years to a, a national platform. And we received hundreds and thousands, not only pastors, but churches and people in a little internship. And we became a hub, not the only one, but uh, one of the the hubs that the Lord was using to train people in prayer. Because in a time of crisis, in a time of prosperity, prayer is a luxury, right? It's an option. Mm. In a time of crisis, it's the only plan. God is the only plan where you don't have a second amendment in the country. You can defend yourself from the bad guys. You have a corrupt government and the bad guys are in power. God is the only plan. And prayer became like oxygen, you know? So we saw how the Lord shifted things. And in the next five years, we helped start 72 houses of prayer. And a lot of churches started these little uh, prayer meetings and it became a national thing. And um, it's amazing. Yeah, it was it was awesome. So that that was my journey in Mexico for ten years, and I, it gave me a little bit of understanding on where the Lord can take the church in times of oppression, and uh, it it really is a purifier when pressure comes to the church. But that 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 was a journey. Yeah, yeah, that's an amazing journey. <laughs> wow. Well, how did you? I mean, I'm I'm curious in some of your early years you know, 17 years old, you're down in Mexico. How did you even have the thought to do this? I I assume you probably connected with IHOP or had heard of Mm -hmm. them or got some teachings or something like that. Um, But how did you go from 17-year-old in Mexico to 72 houses of prayer? I mean, I know you shared a little bit, but I'm just curious, what what was fueling that in those early years, you know? No, well, in the beginning was was this phrase during when, while I was with the orphanage, um, this person came and talked about Tabernacle of David and the second coming of Christ. He said, I just came back from this weird little house of prayer in Kansas City in a trailer. And I just need to just talk about these things. And the Lord touched me. Wow. And then it was six months after that someone gave me a Mike Pickle book, Passion for Jesus. Yeah. And I fell in love with this man. I said, this guy is going to be my spiritual father long distance, even if he doesn't know me. Like this, <laughs> And I changed my career in college from marketing to translation because I, I didn't even know English that much. So I was like, I need to know English. I need to become a bridge. This guy has a well mm. of knowledge and I, um, he used to have, I have used to have this website, FOTB, Friends of the Bridegroom. So that was, that became my fuel, my, you know, all my eyes were open and God used mostly Mike Pickle and Lou Engel yeah. and Alan Hood to shape my life theologically. And, you know, so that really fueled me and kept me alive. And later on in 2007, God connected me with Mike through supernatural means and he became my spiritual father and now I'm working with him uh, 13 years later yeah. closely. And 
so it, yeah, it was, I have, was a massive, had a massive role in my life. As I was pioneering with a little group of friends, they were fueling us from Kansas City. Yeah. And um, yeah, that was really the grace of God. That's amazing. Awesome. Are there, uh, are there any other cool testimonies you have? I mean, just the fact that so many prayer communities sprang up down in Mexico out of your yeah. little group that you had there is an amazing testimony mm-hmm. in itself. But, get, but I would love, you know, just give us a, a clearer picture, maybe even some specific stories of some of the things that God did out of that. I mean, we know that we worship ultimately because Jesus is worthy and that kind Absolutely. of thing. But, but I know that with all of that activity and things that you're seeing God do amazing things. Also, you're seeing lives changed you're seeing, you know, some sense of awakening probably yeah. in the body of Christ down there. Yeah. So what are, is there anything, you know, any cool testimonies you could share with us? Yeah, totally. There, there's a few that were like, whoa. And it was the mixture of, I think God gave us a foundation first of you guys are doing it because Jesus is worth it. Number two, you guys are preparing yourselves and preparing the church for the end of the age. That's really important. But that is, there's one piece missing and is the now. And I think that's something we've learned from Lou and other people like, you know, uh, Leonard Ravenhill and the, you know, his books on how, why revival terrorists. And it's, it's praying prayers that will make you look at the newspapers the next morning to see the response of your prayers. Come on. Something that actually shifts the now. As we prepare for the later, and the age to come and, and eternity, that's beautiful. And that's the main foundation. But we we started contending in fasting. And when we started fasting as a community, uh, God started giving, giving us assignments. And one cool testimony was in 2007, there was a battle in the Constitution in Mexico to become uh, pro-abortion and become legalize abortion in all the 31 states in Mexico. And once it became part of the Constitution, it's like here, it was down to the states. So our states, it was really progressive, really pro-choice, pro all of that stuff. So uh, the Lord told us fast. And it was like 50 of us. It was not like a massive gathering in a stadium, 50 of us. Yeah, We fasted for just three days. And we were like, Lord. Help us, Lord. We we want to see abortion completely abolished. And long story short, that night, the last night before they were about to vote for the law, the legislators in the state, um, it was seventy percent sure that they were going to win pro pro uh, abortion. Mm. But we pray for confusion. It was those little windows of time when you're contending, you feel nothing, you know, fasting, you're in bad mood, <laughs> you, you know, irritated with each other. It's like, it, is yeah. this fasting actually being against me or what's going on? But something shifts for those 20, 25 minutes mm. when corporately there's like, if an upper room, you go up and you see clearly every, like you break through Either you go up with your group or he comes down. But that moment we went up and it was like this clear sense of that our words were heard by by the father. And we know that in theory, but it was like corporately, we had like a 25 minute window when it was literally the father saying, you can say anything, I'll do it. Wow. You have authority. And it came like this unified faith. 
we say, Lord, confuse the enemy because it's most likely that we're going to lose this battle unless you do something. So the next morning they vote and blah, blah, blah. So around 2 p.m., me and my brother, we're driving in the traffic and we're putting the news in the radio at 2 p.m. We always, we wanted to hear the results of the voting. And this is the crazy thing. There was one guy, one legislator that was the most pro-abortion guy in the state promoting the rights for women to choose and all of these things. So he is apologizing. And the guy, the radio program, the, the host, he's saying, I can't believe that this happened. We're going backwards. And this is so shameful. And we're like, what just happened? And the thing is that there was one vote that was going to determine either pro-choice, pro-life. And it was this guy. And this guy came to the voting drunk, drunk that day. And he actually apologized publicly. The video is ridiculous. He is apologizing because he was drunk and he signed the wrong paper. And his party these, oh these, disowned him. And they were like, he was done. Yeah. They never reelect him. It, it was like a shameful thing for him. And yeah. God brought confusion with a small, wow. I mean, many people were praying, but sure. we knew that God can do so much with a, a small company of people. Yeah. And it was so crazy that the law, the pro-life law protected for five years. Even if you suggested abortion to your doctor, you were going to be penalized with a fine in the state. So we wow. swinged the state completely and everyone was mad. But for five years, uh, life was protected in the womb. Yeah. And I mean, we have stories like that, that we're like, oh my goodness, God can yeah. really shift things through prayer. But anyways. That's so good. Yeah. That's so good. I love it. That's amazing. Yeah, those kinds of answers to prayers, it's like, well, do you get to take credit for them or not? And it's kind of like, well, might as well. I mean, it's obviously it's the well. Lord. I mean, obviously it's the Lord, but like if you're praying, go ahead and celebrate the answer. Go ahead and celebrate Absolutely. the victory. You know, obviously there's a lot, you know, a lot of different moving parts, but you gotta celebrate those moments when God breaks through and, yeah. and here's here's your prayer. So that's amazing. You said something at the beginning where you were talking about what we get now in prayer, the breakthrough we're pursuing now, the desire for revival now, but then also sort of the age to come. And I think that's that's an important tension that we hold and that we live in where some Bible teachers would say that the kingdom of God is to come, but the kingdom of God is now. It's already and not yet at the same time yeah. where ultimately Jesus is coming again and, and establishing his kingdom and fullness on the earth. But there's an experience of the future now because yeah. we are citizens of the kingdom of God and we proclaim that and we, you know, in, in a sense, uh, demonstrate that kingdom now. And so, I don't know, do you have any other thoughts on that, on so, sort of that tension in prayer of we're longing for Jesus to return and we know that in some ways, you know, it, that's going to be the ultimate answer. But at the same time, we're also praying for things to happen right now. We want those laws to be changed. We want people to be healed and we want people to be saved now. Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, the book of that's a, the way that you put it is beautiful because that is the tension of Christianity. And that's why we contend. Yeah. Because if we don't have the hope of the age to come, we have nothing. But the, the book of Hebrews says that we can actually access to the power of the ages to come. So the kingdom 
it's in fullness in heaven. So when we pray yeah. on earth as it is in heaven, we can pull even from blessings from the millennial kingdom. We can pull it and Lord, restore, wow. bring us a down payment now. Right. And even though we know in fullness will only be when that man splits the sky, right? right. But right now we contend. And, and I've seen that a healthy way, at least in my life, to keep that tension balanced and healthy is to know that Jesus is coming, but also that I need to know that darkness is going to increase mm. so I don't lose heart. That actually God, the designer and architect of history, prophesied that darkness is going to increase in the nations, that actually there's going to be an Antichrist, actually there's going to be a harlot Babylon, a great uh, you know falling away. So when I see things happening, I'm not losing heart like the Satan is winning. No, and God is like, no, I'm putting the perfect scenario, allowing Satan to do some things, allowing the wits to grow so the church can, you know, manifest the greatest light in your barrenness. And that's the thing that gives me balance, mm-hmm. that God is going to use my weakness, our weakness you know, and that's I, that's what I feel God is doing right now. He's taking away the Ishmaels that we can produce in the flesh that end up, you know, backfiring us. But God is like, no, be barren, be humble, be hungry, be poor in spirit. I'm going to demonstrate the greatest power of my kingdom. I mean, one phrase that I, I love is we're going to see the coming of his power, the day of his power, when the day of our power ends. And I think that's where history is going. And that that keeps us in a good tension of, yeah, yeah Jesus is coming, but I need to contend. But at the same time, it's going to have to be through my weakness that the Lord is going to manifest his power. And that way we we keep ourselves balanced. But yeah, yeah that's the tension. Yeah, that's, the that's tension. good. That's great. Hey, uh, I'd love to talk more about that in terms of what the Lord's doing right now in the church. Before, before we hop on to that, I'm just curious, you... You were a young leader, 17 years old, you started your first house of prayer. And so even though I can tell that you're obviously a very, a great leader and, you know, pursuing the Lord wholeheartedly, I know that there had to have been some mistakes that you made, (laughs) some some immaturities and things that were happening in those early years. You know, maybe speak to somebody who is, you know, they're just they have a vision in their heart to start a prayer room or they're early in their journey uh, or even if they're young, but, but what are some things that you learned? What are some things you would do differently when you kind of look back on some of those early years? What, if you could go back and tell 17 year old Benji some advice, what would you go back and and say? Hey guys, this is Matthew. We'll get back to the episode in just a moment. If you're enjoying the podcast, Please consider joining Presence Pioneers Premium, our brand new subscriber community. Paid subscribers will get exclusive premium content, such as bonus podcast episodes, exclusive articles, early releases, and more. Presence Pioneers will be releasing its first e-course in 2024 with many more to come. And the Presence Pioneers Premium subscribers will always have full access to the entire library of online courses. Visit media.presencepioneers.org or click the link in the description to join today. 
You can become a premium member today for an introductory price of only $5 a month. When the price goes up in the future, as our library of resources grows, you can stay subscribed at the original price. If you've enjoyed our podcast for a while, becoming a premium member is a simple way for you to help us cover the cost of producing this podcast and partner with Presence Pioneers in equipping the church with resources for day and night prayer, prophetic worship, missions, and revival. Visit media.presencepioneers.org to sign up today. The, the two main ones that I can think of, first of all, one of the greatest mistakes that I keep doing, but in my 20s was really big, is uh, lack of humility. Mm. Lack of humility and meekness. I will tell the Benji of 20-year-old Benji, make humility and meekness your number one prayer mm. in your like actual life of prayer. Ask for humility and meekness. Second to the first commandment. Because that's always a given, right? But humility and humility, that's why I, I see the wisdom in the Bible when it says to the young people, submit to your authorities and obey them. Mm. It's not because they are always right. It's not like, you know, be a slave and don't have a saying. It's not about that. Is that because the cement is wet in your 20s? God wants to create a culture in the youth of humility mm. to submitting, to restraining even your right to say your own opinions, your own win arguments, because when you are 30 and 40 and God can have a humble leader, God can do anything. God can do anything because he receives the pride, the prideful, and he gives more grace to the humble. And James 1, 4 says that yeah. more grace. And that talks about living under the power of the Holy Spirit is more than just the grace of salvation is moving in the power of the Holy Spirit through humility. Right. And I, I always said, I will rather have demons, 10,000 demons chasing me than God resisting me. Mm. That was the, that's the most terrifying thing. And I made a lot of mistakes, a little bit of revelation that I didn't know two days before now I got it, and I will just go with my worship leader and say, you guys are doing it all wrong. It's harp and bowl. And, and, you know, challenged my dad as a pastor when he gave yeah. his life for 40 years to, you know, disciple people. And now I have the answer. Right. And uh, <laughs> I sometimes think and hear myself when I was 20 preaching, and I'm like, I was so arrogant. I was, I w my pursuit was pure. Right. But I made so many people stumble and you know, I wish I would have had a 50-year-old person tell me, no, Benji, don't do this. <laughs> Shut up. Yeah. You know, so humility is the big one. And the other one is to learn from, from dead people. You know, um, wow. it, that I learned that more in my 30s. I mean, four years ago that um, someone told me, you don't have enough time to learn from your own mistakes only. So take Van Hoffer's lifestyle, 40 years of loving Jesus, and in four hours, you can obtain the DNA of that guy, let dead people and dead women and men that gave their lives to Jesus give you their DNA through books, learn from them and run with it and learn from their mistakes. So that's what I would say to a young person, learn from dead people <laughs> that have a good testimony before the Lord. We don't have enough time to learn from our own mistakes. That's a good um, word.
Yeah. That's a good so word. Arrogance was the big the biggest mistake. Yes, yeah. So for far sure. to say. <laughs> but less <laughs> a little hopefully is less yeah. than before. Right. Right. No, that's huge. Unfortunately, you can't interview dead people on a podcast. I wish I could. <laughs> yeah, right. I see you have good books behind you. Uh, <laughs> Ho- hopefully so yeah but we can we can try to we can try to learn that's a great word good good word of wisdom mm-hmm. for sure i i've uh i've felt so strongly from the lord that humility is an emphasis right now um that god's trying to bring to the church uh even in, in the united states here at least just seeing the reactions to the election results in recent weeks as we're recording this here seeing the wow. arrogance and the pride manifest on both sides of the political divide in our nation. Yeah. Uh, you know, is there's just so much uh, just puffing up and rearing up and accusing and, and pointing down at people. And, uh, and I've just, I've just felt the Holy spirit, just give that nudge of like, go low, be humble right now. <laughs> you yeah. don't, like you said, you don't have to speak out about every little thing. Yeah. You don't have to make a comment or make a post or insert yeah. your opinion or comment. You know what I mean? Uh, social media is a big one and just kind of where a lot of the noise is and that kind of thing. And, uh, and so, yeah, what, what's your perspective on, on what's, what's God saying and doing right now? I know you've, you've brought up the end times a few times, you know, you know, COVID, the end of the world, you know, like what's, <laughs> what, what's <laughs> no. happening, what's happening right now from your perspective? What are some of the things you're, you're sensing from the Lord? Yeah, I think just to continue what you're saying, I think the main thing that God is forming is humility, for sure. Amen. Because yeah. the end times, Revelation 19, the end of the story and the beginning of eternity with him is we're going to marry a lamb. Humble, he says, is not the supper of the warrior, even though Jesus wow. is a warrior. Yeah. It's the supper of the lamb. And more than 19 times in the book of Revelation, he's not the Lion of Judah. He's not the, you know, the main character of the book of Revelation in the end times is a lamb. Out of the 400 names that God has, the Lamb of God is the number one that God wanted to manifest. His humility. So we're going to sit at a table to be with that man in an equally yoke marriage forever. Therefore, humility is the number one thing that God has been trying to infuse to his people for the last 6,000 years. So humility is a massive thing. And we cannot just be pro-Trump, pro-Biden, pro. We have to lay low. And I mean, vote, obviously. If I could vote, I will vote for Trump, for example. Not because I... I'm looking for a moral leader. I'm just agreeing with his policies, pro-life, pro-Christianity, and pro-Israel at the basic level. But it doesn't mean that I have to see him as a pastor. You know, have the a president doesn't have to be the moral standard of the church. That's why you have the church and the elders and deacons and, you know, Jesus, the Bible. But beyond who we vote for and all of that stuff, it's it's like, Lord, okay, I'm going to embrace the seasons. You want to humble America and the church in America. We need to be humble. And it's the discipline of God. But Hebrews 12 says that the discipline of God is for us to participate of His holiness. I'm like, thank you, God, because 
if you discipline the church in America, because the plan of God is not to make America great again. <laughs> uh -oh. You know, I mean, I would love to have more money, <laughs> more wealth, more for sure. But sure. if we pray for it and we expect that God will do it, but if his plan is to discipline us through a little bit more of an oppressive system, a little bit more of pressure and, you know, people in compromise are going to have to decide Jesus or no Jesus and stuff like that. If that's the end result, which it is that we will become humble and meek and focus again. I'm like, Lord, I want to embrace it. Yeah. I want to embrace your chastising. Like Hebrews 12 says that don't, don't reject the chastising of the Lord because if not, you're a bastard, but because you're not, he's disciplining you and you have to trust yourself to God. Like Jesus trusts himself to the father. And I'm like, Lord, this is, in my opinion, Hebrews 12 is a good blueprint for this hour. Mm. And it, it goes along with what you were saying. It is humility what God is emphasizing. More than coronavirus and all of this is can we restrain our speech mm. about Biden? Not, not when I'm in a microphone. When I'm in the comfort of my home, when I take my shoes off and I'm with my wife and I can actually be Benji and I'm in the relaxed mode, and what, whatever comes out of my mouth, that's what actually God cares right now. Mm. Because I believe God wants to give us in the next few years authority in our, in our words. Because we're going to have, we're going to need so much weight in our prayers that God is purifying our speech and even our opinions and all of that. So I think that the end is humility. Yeah. And it, it's related to how much we accuse others. Are we in agreement, agreeing with the accuser of the brethren or the intercessor mm. of the church and the world? It's either one or the other one. So it's tricky because social media gave us power to give our opinion and think, think and feel that we're powerful because a couple thousand people follow us and give us likes. Mm. But God is like, no, you don't have a right to say. You have you have the honor to pray. Um, yeah. Anyways, I'm just rumbling right now, but I, no, I just so feel good. that that's where we're going. Say a few more words about the accuser of the brethren. I, I think that's that's important. I know in, in, in Revelation, you see the enemy is accusing the brethren day and night. So obviously we are wanting to see day and night prayer and worship, but there's also this phrase day and night when you see the enemy is yeah. bringing accusation. Maybe, yeah, maybe... Do you have a few more yeah. words you could say about that? I think that's important too. Yeah, so Zechariah 3, 1 to 3, when you see Joshua, the compromised priest being accused by Satan and day and night accusing him. And then you have Jesus at the right hand of the Father interceding and rebuking Satan and restoring him. That's a prophetic picture of how Satan accuses us, you know, individually. But then Revelation 12, yeah. The accuser of the brethren that in Revelation 12, uh, I think 7 to 11, that is like the accuser. Now it's a dragon accusing us globally. And say, uh, to me, this is a shocker. Satan is a murderer. Satan is a deceiver. Satan is the killer of the saints. Many bad things Satan eats. The creative witchcraft, all, whatever you want to do or say about him. But the book of Revelation, God gives us a strategy and reveals us the main name 
an authority of Satan against the church and is the accuser of the brethren. That is the ultimate weapon that Satan has to divide us, to accuse us before God and accuse God before us and accuse ourselves. And we live in this constant movie theater that Satan has created over and over. And we live with bitterness, with accusation, with shame. And God says that at the end of the age, the last three and a half years, Satan is going to be cast down from heaven. And it says one of the most powerful verses of the Bible, Revelation 12, 10, when Satan is taken out of the picture and for the first time, the church is not going to live with the accusation of the brethren of Satan. It says now the kingdom of God has come and the power and the authority of his Christ has come and the salvation of God has come because the accuser of the brethren is no longer in the heavenly realms. Rejoice, oh heaven. So the time is coming when the accuser of the brethren is going to be completely dismantled. And that is the moment when John 17 happens. The unity of the church automatically open heavens, power in our, in our, in, in our words. Our minds are going to be clean and we're going to see clearly. But that doesn't happen in the end time when Satan is removed. But right now, that is his main weapon. And if we can discern the accuser of the brethren and break the agreement with the accuser, I think we're going to gain revelation. I think we're going to gain a life of prayer because we're not going to feel accused when we are before the Lord. And we're going to gain new friendships because we're not going to judge people all the time, but we're going to intercede for them. Mm. So I think the number one principality of Satan is the accuser. That's his name. Accuser is Satan. Yeah. So I think that that's, that's a big thing that God wants to dismantle in this time. Amen. Yes, yes. The, Isaiah 58 talks about taking away the pointing of the finger. You know, I feel like there's times where we come, yeah, into, come, we come into agreement with what the enemy's saying and we come into agreement, we begin to point our fingers and we begin to accuse rather than going higher and seeing, seeing the Lord's perspective. So I know come we're running on. out of time here. Would you just say a prayer for us to close yeah. out here? If you have any other thoughts, and then I'd love for you to to just pray for us and just pray for that grace to be humble and yeah. to respond rightly uh, in this season. Yeah. Oh, let's just pray. Yeah, awesome. Let's just pray. Father, thank you for Matthew. Thank you for his family, his four children, his, uh, his ministry. Lord, I ask that you will amplify his voice and amplify his reception to hear your voice. And Father, I ask for everyone who is listening or watching, including myself, Lord, we, we need you, Lord. Yeah. We want to find the well of meekness and humility at the, at the foot of, the, of your cross. Lord, I ask in Jesus' name that you will wash the feet of your church right now. Lord, in the name of Jesus, I ask that you will wash our feet. Lord, we receive you as our servant, Lord, to break the power of accusation against one another, against ourselves, against you, Father, so you can be our Lord. And I just feel this word for everyone who is listening, the, the words that Jesus said to Peter, John 13, Peter, if I don't wash your feet, you have no part with me in my kingdom. I feel it's just God saying, if you want me to be your Lord, you, I, I need you to allow me to be your servant. And there's a, uh, God is washing the feet of the church right now.
to break the funk out of us and our, you know, uh, God is going to uh, unstuck people and unlock hearts right now. Father, I ask in Jesus' name that you will wash our feet from the dust of our mundane lifestyles and our accusations and our boredom and our idleness and abundance of, of food and distraction. Wash our feet, Jesus. Mm. Make us humble. Yeah. We receive your kingdom, upside down kingdom. We receive you, Lord. I ask that you will help us to not waste this pandemic situation. Father, I ask that you will help us to be seasoned for such a time as this. Lord, create a humble heart in us. Meekness, that power restrain that unlocks the power of the kingdom. Blessed are those who are pure and uh, are poor in spirit because theirs is the kingdom of God. Blessed are the meek because they will receive the earth as their inheritance. Father, we ask in Jesus' name for the gift of humility and hunger. Mm. In Jesus' name, Lord, I ask that you will help us to break the agreement with the narrative of social media, Lord, and the, the accuser of the brethren. Lord, take us up in the spirit to be intercessors for the nation, for even our enemies, Lord, for those who disagree with us. Father, we don't want to be dressed with a political party. We want to be dressed with Christ yes. and Christ alone, the hope of glory. Father, we ask for the meekness of Christ. Like Paul said in 2 Corinthians 10, I don't come with you with abundance of words, but the meekness and the ten tenderness of Christ to break down strongholds because the weapons of my warfare are not carnal, but powerful in God to bring down strongholds. Father, in Jesus' name, I ask for the weapons of meekness and tenderness. Lord, I ask that you will raise up tender leaders that cry and their tears are their weapons. In the name of Jesus, I ask for tears of revival. Lord, that water the soil of revival in Jesus' name. Father, thank you for what you're doing in the church. We trust your leadership. You, we trust your words and we trust your power in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you so much, Benji. This has been thank awesome. Thank you, Matthew. What an honor. Yeah. yeah. Everybody, thank you for tuning in today. Again, if you have not subscribed yet, please hit subscribe. If you're watching on YouTube, give us that little thumbs up. If you're on Apple or iTunes, please leave us a rating or a review. All those things help get our podcast out there in the algorithm so more people can uh, hear about this message of day and night worship and prayer and hopefully encounter Jesus and ultimately glorify him. Thank you guys again. And don't forget God's presence changes everything.